Part two, chapter thirteen of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, an underwater tour of the world by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter thirteen, the Ice Bank. The Nautilus resumed its unruffled southbound heading. It went along the fiftieth meridian with considerable speed would it go to the pole i didn't think so because every previous attempt to reach this spot on the globe had failed besides the season was already quite advanced since march thirteen on antarctic shores corresponds with september thirteen in the northernmost regions which marks the beginning of the equinoctial period on march fourteen at latitude fifty five degrees i spotted floating ice plain pale bits of rubble twenty to twenty-five feet long which formed reefs over which the sea burst into foam the nautilus stayed on the surface of the ocean having fished in the arctic seas ned land was already familiar with the sight of icebergs conseil and i were marveling at them for the first time in the sky toward the southern horizon there stretched a dazzling white band english whalers have given this the name ice blink no matter how heavy the clouds may be they can't obscure this phenomenon it announces the presence of a pack or shoal of ice indeed larger blocks of ice soon appeared their brilliance varying at the whim of the mists some of these masses displayed green veins as if scrawled with undulating lines of copper sulfate others looked like enormous amethysts letting the light penetrate their insides the latter reflected the sun's rays from a thousand facets of their crystals the former tinted with a bright limestone sheen would have supplied enough building material to make a whole marble town the farther down south we went the more these floating islands grew in numbers and prominence polar birds nested on them by the thousands these were petrels cape pigeons or puffins and their calls were deafening mistaking the nautilus for the corpse of a whale some of them alighted on it and prodded its resonant sheet-iron with pecks of their beaks during this navigating in the midst of the ice captain nemo often stayed on the platform he observed these deserted waterways carefully i saw his calm eyes sometimes perk up in these polar seas forbidden to man did he feel right at home the lord of these unreachable regions perhaps but he didn't say he stood still reviving only when his pilot's instincts took over then steering his nautilus with consummate dexterity he skillfully dodged the masses of ice some of which measured several miles in length their heights varying from seventy to eighty meters often the horizon seemed completely closed off abreast of latitude sixty degrees every passageway had disappeared searching with care captain nemo soon found a narrow opening into which he brazenly slipped well aware however that it would close behind him guided by his skillful hands the nautilus passed by all these different masses of ice which are classified by size and shape with a precision that enraptured conseil icebergs or mountains ice fields or smooth limitless tracts drift ice or floating floes 
packs or broken tracts called patches when they're circular and streams when they form long strips the temperature was fairly low exposed to the outside air the thermometer marked minus two degrees to minus three degrees centigrade but we were warmly dressed in furs for which seals and aquatic bears had paid the price evenly heated by all its electric equipment the nautilus's interior defied the most intense cold moreover to find a bearable temperature the ship had only to sink just a few meters beneath the waves two months earlier we would have enjoyed perpetual daylight in this latitude but night already fell for three or four hours and later it would cast six months of shadow over these circumpolar regions on march fifteen we passed beyond the latitude of the south shetland and south orkney islands the captain told me that many tribes of seals used to inhabit these shores but english and american whalers in a frenzy of destruction slaughtered all the adults including pregnant females and where life and activity once existed those fishermen left behind only silence and death going along the fifty-fifth meridian the nautilus cut the antarctic circle on march sixteenth near eight o'clock in the morning ice completely surrounded us and closed off the horizon nevertheless captain nemo went from passageway to passageway always proceeding south but where is he going i asked straight ahead conseil replied ultimately when he can't go any farther he'll stop i wouldn't bet on it i replied and in all honesty i confess that this venturesome excursion was far from displeasing to me i can't express the intensity of my amazement at the beauties of these new regions the ice struck superb poses here its general effect suggested an oriental town with countless minarets and mosques there a city in ruins flung to the ground by convulsions in the earth these views were varied continuously by the sun's oblique rays or were completely swallowed up by gray mists in the middle of blizzards then explosions cave-ins and great iceberg somersaults would occur all around us altering the scenery like the changing landscape in a diorama if the nautilus was submerged during these losses of balance we heard the resulting noises spread under the waters with frightful intensity and the collapse of these masses created daunting eddies down to the ocean's lower strata the nautilus then rolled and pitched like a ship left to the fury of the elements often no longer seeing any way out i thought we were imprisoned for good but captain nemo guided by his instincts discovered new passageways from the tiniest indications he was never wrong when he observed slender threads of bluish water streaking through these ice fields accordingly i was sure that he had already risked his nautilus in the midst of the antarctic seas however during the day of march sixteen these tracts of ice completely barred our path it wasn't the ice bank as yet just huge ice fields cemented together by the cold this obstacle couldn't stop captain nemo and he launched his ship against the ice fields with hideous violence the nautilus went into these brittle masses like a wedge splitting them with dreadful cracklings it was an old-fashioned battering ram propelled with infinite power Hurled aloft, ice rubble fell back around us like hail. Through brute force alone, the submersible carved out a channel for itself. Carried away by its momentum, 
the ship sometimes mounted on top of these tracts of ice and crushed them with its weight or at other times when cooped up beneath the ice fields it split them with simple pitching movements creating wide punctures violent squalls assaulted us during the daytime thanks to certain heavy mists we couldn't see from one end of the platform to the other the wind shifted abruptly to every point on the compass the snow was piling up in such packed layers it had to be chipped loose with blows from picks even in a temperature of merely minus five degrees centigrade every outside part of the nautilus was covered with ice a ship's rigging would have been unusable because all its tackle would have jammed in the grooves of the pulleys only a craft without sails driven by an electric motor that needed no coal could face such high latitudes under these conditions the barometer generally stayed quite low it fell as far as seventy three point five centimeters our compass indications no longer offered any guarantees the deranged needles would mark contradictory directions as we approached the southern magnetic pole which doesn't coincide with the south pole proper in fact according to the astronomer hastine this magnetic pole is located fairly close to latitude seventy degrees and longitude one hundred and thirty degrees or abiding by the observations of louis isidore du perret in longitude one thirty five degrees and latitude seventy degrees thirty minutes hence we had to transport compasses to different parts of the ship take many readings and strike an average often we would chart our course only by guesswork a less than satisfactory method in the midst of these winding passageways whose landmarks change continuously at last on march eighteen after twenty futile assaults the nautilus was decisively held in check no longer was it an ice stream patch or field it was an endless immovable barrier formed by ice mountains fused to each other the ice bank the canadian told me for ned land as well as for every navigator before us i knew that this was the great insurmountable obstacle when the sun appeared for an instant near noon captain nemo took a reasonably accurate sight that gave our position as longitude fifty one degrees thirty minutes and latitude sixty seven degrees thirty nine minutes south this was a position already well along in these antarctic regions as for the liquid surface of the sea there was no longer any semblance of it before our eyes before the nautilus's spur there lay vast broken plains a tangle of confused chunks with all the helter-skelter unpredictability typical of a river's surface a short while before its ice break-up but in this case the proportions were gigantic here and there stood sharp peaks lean spires that rose as high as two hundred feet farther off a succession of steeply cut cliffs sporting a grayish tint huge mirrors that reflected the sparse rays of the sun half drowned in mist beyond a stark silence reigned in this desolate natural setting a silence barely broken by the flapping wings of petrels or puffins by this point everything was frozen even sound so the nautilus had to halt in its venturesome course among these tracts of ice sir ned land told me that day if your captain goes any farther yes he'll be a superman how so ned because nobody can clear the ice bank your captain's a powerful man but damnation he isn't more powerful than nature 
if she draws a boundary line there you stop like it or not correct ned land but i still want to know what's behind this ice bank behold my greatest source of irritation a wall master is right conseil said walls were invented simply to frustrate scientists all walls should be banned fine the canadian put in but we already know what's behind this ice bank what i asked ice ice and more ice you may be sure of that ned i answered but i'm not that's why i want to see for myself well professor the canadian replied you could just drop that idea you've made it to the ice bank which is already far enough but you won't get any farther neither your captain nemo nor his nautilus and whether he wants to or not we'll head north again in other words to the land of sensible people i had to agree that ned land was right and until ships are built to navigate over tracts of ice they'll have to stop at the ice bank indeed despite its efforts despite the powerful methods it used to split this ice the nautilus was reduced to immobility ordinarily when someone can't go any farther he still has the option of returning in his tracks but here it was just as impossible to turn back as to go forward because every passageway had closed behind us and if our submersible remained even slightly stationary it would be frozen in without delay which is exactly what happened near two o'clock in the afternoon and fresh ice kept forming over the ship's sides with astonishing speed i had to admit that captain nemo's leadership had been most injudicious just then i was on the platform observing the situation for a while the captain said to me well professor what think you i think we're trapped captain trapped what do you mean i mean we can't go forward backward or sideways i think that's the standard definition of trapped at least in the civilized world so professor aronnax you think the nautilus won't be able to float clear only with the greatest difficulty captain since the season is already too advanced for you to depend on an ice breakup oh professor captain nemo replied in an ironic tone you never change you see only impediments and obstacles i promise you not only will the nautilus float clear it will go farther still farther south i asked gaping at the captain yes sir it will go to the pole to the pole i exclaimed unable to keep back a movement of disbelief yes the captain replied coolly the antarctic pole that unknown spot crossed by every meridian on the globe as you know i do whatever i like with my nautilus yes i did know that i knew this man was daring to the point of being foolhardy but to overcome all the obstacles around the south pole even more unattainable than the north pole which still hadn't been reached by the boldest navigators wasn't this an absolutely insane undertaking one that could occur only in the brain of a madman it then dawned on me to ask captain nemo if he had already discovered this pole which no human being had ever trod underfoot no sir he answered me but we'll discover it together where others have failed i'll succeed never before has my nautilus cruised so far into these southernmost seas but i repeat it will go farther still i'd like to believe you captain 
i went on in a tone of some sarcasm oh i do believe you let's forge ahead there are no obstacles for us let's shatter this ice bank let's blow it up and if it still resists let's put wings on the nautilus and fly over it over it professor captain nemo replied serenely no not over it but under it under it i exclaimed a sudden insight into captain nemo's plans had just flashed through my mind i understood the marvelous talents of his nautilus would be put to work once again in this superhuman undertaking i can see we're starting to understand each other professor captain nemo told me with a half smile you already glimpse the potential myself i'd say the success of this attempt maneuvers that aren't feasible for an ordinary ship are easy for the nautilus if a continent emerges at the pole we'll stop at that continent but on the other hand if open sea washes the pole we'll go to that very place right i said carried away by the captain's logic even though the surface of the sea has solidified into ice its lower strata are still open thanks to that divine justice that puts the maximum density of salt water one degree above its freezing point and if i'm not mistaken the submerged part of this ice bank is in a four to one ratio to its emerging part very nearly professor for each foot of iceberg above the sea there are three more below now then since these ice mountains don't exceed a height of one hundred meters they sink only to a depth of three hundred meters and what are three hundred meters to the nautilus a mere nothing sir we could even go to greater depths and find that temperature layer common to all ocean water and there we'd brave with impunity the minus thirty degrees or minus forty degrees cold on the surface true sir very true i replied with growing excitement our sole difficulty captain nemo went on lies in our staying submerged for several days without renewing our air supply that's all i answered the nautilus has huge air tanks we'll fill them up and they'll supply all the oxygen we need good thinking professor aronnax the captain replied with a smile but since i don't want to be accused of foolhardiness i'm giving you all my objections in advance you have more just one if a sea exists at the south pole it's possible this sea may be completely frozen over so we couldn't come up to the surface my dear sir have you forgotten that the nautilus is armed with a fearsome spur couldn't it be launched diagonally against those tracts of ice which would break open from the impact ah professor you're full of ideas today besides captain i added with still greater enthusiasm why wouldn't we find open sea at the south pole just as at the north pole the cold temperature poles and the geographical poles don't coincide in either the northern or southern hemispheres and until proof to the contrary we can assume these two spots on the earth feature either a continent or an ice-free ocean i think as you do professor aronnax captain nemo replied i'll only point out that after raising so many objections against my plan you're now crushing me under arguments in its favor captain nemo was right i was outdoing him in daring it was i who was sweeping him to the pole i was leading the way i was out in front but no you silly fool 
captain nemo already knew the pros and cons of this question, and it amused him to see you flying off into impossible fantasies. Nevertheless, he didn't waste an instant. At his signal, the chief officer appeared. The two men held a quick exchange in their incomprehensible language, and either the chief officer had been alerted previously, or he found the plan feasible, because he showed no surprise. But as unemotional as he was, he couldn't have been more impeccably emotionless than Conseil when I told the fine lad our intention of pushing on to the South Pole. He greeted my announcement with the usual, As Master wishes, and I had to be content with that. As for Ned Land, no human shoulders ever executed a higher shrug than the pair belonging to our Canadian. Honestly, sir, he told me, you and your Captain Nemo, I pity you both. But we will go to the pole, Mr. Land. Maybe, but you won't come back. And Ned Land re-entered his cabin. To keep from doing something desperate, he said as he left me. Meanwhile, preparations for this daring attempt were getting underway. The Nautilus's powerful pumps forced air down into the tanks and stored it under high pressure. Near four o'clock, Captain Nemo informed me that the platform hatches were about to be closed. I took a last look at the dense ice bank we were going to conquer. The weather was fair, the skies reasonably clear, the cold quite brisk namely minus twelve degrees centigrade but after the wind had lulled this temperature didn't seem too unbearable equipped with picks some ten men climbed onto the nautilus's sides and cracked loose the ice around the ship's lower plating which was soon set free this operation was swiftly executed because the fresh ice was still thin we all re-entered the interior the main ballast tanks were filled with the water that hadn't yet congealed at our line of flotation the nautilus submerged without delay i took a seat in the lounge with conseil through the open window we stared at the lower strata of this southernmost ocean the thermometer rose again the needle on the pressure gauge swerved over its dial about three hundred meters down just as captain nemo had predicted we cruised beneath the undulating surface of the ice bank but the nautilus sank deeper still it reached a depth of eight hundred meters at the surface this water gave a temperature of minus twelve degrees centigrade but now it gave no more than minus ten degrees centigrade two degrees had already been gained thanks to its heating equipment the nautilus's temperature needless to say stayed at a much higher degree every maneuver was accomplished with extraordinary precision with all due respect to master conseil told me we'll pass it by i fully expect to i replied in a tone of deep conviction now in open water the nautilus took a direct course to the pole without veering from the fifty-second meridian from sixty-seven degrees thirty minutes to ninety degrees twenty-two and a half degrees of latitude were left to cross in other words slightly more than five hundred leagues the nautilus adopted an average speed of twenty-six miles per hour the speed of an express train if it kept up this pace forty hours would do it for reaching the pole for part of the night the novelty of our circumstances kept conseil and me at the lounge window the sea was lit by our beacon's electric rays, but the depths were deserted. Fish didn't linger in these imprisoned waters. Here they found merely a passageway for going from the Antarctic Ocean to open sea at the pole. 
our progress was swift you could feel it in the vibrations of the long steel hull near two o'clock in the morning i went to snatch a few hours of sleep conseil did likewise i didn't encounter captain nemo while going down the gangways i assumed that he was keeping to the pilot house the next day march nineteen at five o'clock in the morning i was back at my post in the lounge the electric log indicated that the nautilus had reduced speed by then it was rising to the surface but cautiously while slowly emptying its ballast tanks my heart was pounding would we emerge into the open and find the polar air again no a jolt told me that the nautilus had bumped the underbelly of the ice bank still quite thick to judge from the hollowness of the accompanying noise indeed we had struck bottom to use nautical terminology but in the opposite direction and at a depth of three thousand feet that gave us four thousand feet of ice overhead of which one thousand feet emerged above water so the ice bank was higher here than we had found it on the outskirts a circumstance less than encouraging several times that day the nautilus repeated the same experiment and always it bumped against this surface that formed a ceiling above it at certain moments the ship encountered ice at a depth of nine hundred meters denoting a thickness of twelve hundred meters of which three hundred meters rose above the level of the ocean this height had tripled since the moment the nautilus had dived beneath the waves i meticulously noted these different depths obtaining the underwater profile of this upside-down mountain chain that stretched beneath the sea by evening there was still no improvement in our situation the ice stayed between four hundred and five hundred meters deep it was obviously shrinking but what a barrier still lay between us and the surface of the ocean by then it was eight o'clock the air inside the nautilus should have been renewed four hours earlier following daily practice on board but i didn't suffer very much although captain nemo hadn't yet made demands on the supplementary oxygen in his air tanks that night my sleep was fitful hope and fear besieged me by turns i got up several times the nautilus continued groping near three o'clock in the morning i observed that we encountered the ice bank's underbelly at a depth of only fifty meters so only one hundred and fifty feet separated us from the surface of the water little by little the ice bank was turning into an ice field again the mountains were changing back into plains my eyes didn't leave the pressure gauge we kept rising on a diagonal going along the shiny surface that sparkled beneath our electric rays above and below the ice bank was subsiding in long gradients mile after mile it was growing thinner finally at six o'clock in the morning on that memorable day of march nineteen the lounge door opened captain nemo appeared open sea he told me End of Part 2, Chapter 13